Blog Talk Radio. The following is a production of the Wide Men Podcast Network. Welcome to Wide Man Can't Score, Episode 5. This is TD coming to you from the Great White North. How is everybody today? Hope uh, everyone's having a good uh, Monday after uh, stuffing themselves on Easter Sunday. And hopefully your team is not, well, from Western Canada and sucking harshly and missing the playoffs for yet another year. Anyway, how's everybody doing? Good to know. Positive, upbeat, feeling good? All right. Let's have a look at the, as we always do, at uh, the standings after another week of toiling in the NHL. we got one week to go. Uh, playoff picture becoming much clearer uh, as teams continue to uh, surge ahead or fall behind, as such is the case. Uh, let's start off in the East, where we're down to one team. We get the Panthers. They're basically on life support at this point. Um, they had uh, three or four games in hand. Uh, lost all three of them, including uh, yes, uh, Saturday in Boston. Um, I thought they'd really make it, but uh, they looked tired. They look like they just uh, don't have enough left for that push. Um, they're still in it. They're, they're not mathematically out of it yet. They could still pull it off, but it's going to really take something. Um, they're seven points behind the Panthers, or behind New Jersey, and uh, eight behind uh, Philadelphia. They've got five games left, so, you know, do the math. Uh, not a lot of room there for error, and... Uh, I'm going to have to pronounce the Panthers uh, DOA. Uh, they're, they're not going to make it. Uh, over in the West, things still a little bit more complicated. Um, a couple of teams did move out. Um, but we're basically down to uh, the Ducks, the uh, Avalanche, and the St. Louis Blues. Um Last night, Colorado and Anaheim smashed it out in a hell of a hockey game. Uh, Ducks picked up the win in overtime, which is probably about the worst thing that could happen to the Blues. That's the old uh, loser point for the uh, Avalanche. Um, I don't know. Blues, again, um, not really looking like they really want it that badly. Um they haven't played horrifically, but uh, you know, just uh, Colorado seems to want it worse than uh, than the, uh, the Blues do. And when you have a look at the uh, standings there, St. Louis, um, I think they hold their fate in their hands. I believe they have to play each other one time, and that will probably uh, that'll probably decide it. 
which is a good thing. That's kind of nice to see that the games are a lot more meaningful and something's on the line. Um, we got um, uh, Kings with uh, 94 points in the first wild card spot, but that's only a point behind the Ducks in for third in the Pacific. Uh, Colorado's got 93 points. They're only two behind uh, that third spot and that automatic bid. And then we got the Blues with uh, 92. So they're you know one point behind Colorado, two behind the Kings, and three behind the Ducks. And they got four games left. And the other three teams, the Ducks, Kings, and Avalanche, have three games left. So that is still uh, wide open. Um, and then we got Dallas, who has 88 points with three games remaining. So they're on the cusp. Uh, one more win by uh, one win by uh, either of those three teams, and or one loss by Dallas, and they're out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write them off. So we're basically down to the Blues. Um, the Blues' remaining schedule is uh, Washington tonight. That's not a gimme, certainly. And uh, after that, they have. Let's just pull that up. Um, Chicago, uh, a home and, at home and away, a back to not a back to back, but well, a back to back, but not a, on a two day back to back. Wednesday, Friday, and then they finish up against Colorado in Colorado. So that might be all settled by then, but um, that would probably be the the, the keeper game. Uh, Colorado has uh, tonight plays the Kings. That's a huge game. I wonder if we'll be lucky enough to get that on the tube up here, possibly. Might have to go to the old uh, streaming site for that one. Um, and then they've got the uh, Sharks on Thursday, not a gimme. And, of course, uh, the Blues on Saturday. So they're kind of the masters of their own destiny there. They can get the win wins they'll uh, they'll get in and the ducks uh, they play the wild on Wednesday which is not a gimme because Minnesota's jockeying for not for to get in but for uh, in a better spot in the first round and uh, then they have games against uh, Dallas and Arizona so uh, those are two gimme so the ducks are probably good again based on that information we're going to go with uh, the blues not making it just uh, my two cents. Uh, so then let's have a look after all that. It was said and done. Let's have a jigger at the playoff uh, matchups at this point. With a week to go, can't expect to see too much jiggling, but there's still some tight races. Um, in the east, uh, Boston and Tampa Bay slugging it out for first in the Atlantic. Um a lot of jockeying in the Metropolitan at the bottom of the division where Pittsburgh, Columbus and Philadelphia, two point separation, well, and the Devils for that matter, so three point separation but if they were to go at her right now we would have the Bruins facing off against the Devils in the first round matchup which uh, that's an interesting matchup. The, the Devils have had a pretty good year this year. 
lot better than anybody thought. Uh, Taylor Hall, uh, Nico Hershiser, and the like have uh, led that team to uh, a much better record than anyone suspected. And, of course, the Bruins, um, they look like the Bruins of the early 2000s, uh, whatever year it was. Uh, I don't know if that was 2010, when they won the Cup and crushed the uh, Canucks. Uh, they look like that team. Don't seem to be afraid of anyone. Um, lots of scoring, uh, excellent defense, and uh, excellent goalkeeping. Uh, they're on a plus 60 uh, goals for, goals against trips, so that tells you, although lately they haven't been as good, and they're looking at a bit of injury problem. Um, Bergeron was hurt. I think he's back now. But a couple guys went off the ice again the other night, so um, Brad Marchand uh, dodged another suspension by uh, kind of pulling back on a cross-check to the head of a guy who had just hit him. Or he'd have been looking at the... I don't know what to expect from the Bruins. The Bruins could collapse in the first first round of the playoffs. It's hard to say. They may have spent their their bolt on the season. Uh, we can only hope because I'm not a Bruins fan. Um, uh, the next matchup would be the, uh, the Capitals against the Flyers. And if I was the Capitals, I'd be not happy about that matchup. I don't think they match up that well against Philadelphia. Flyers have got some big bruising bodies. I like to play that rough, tough style. Uh, that is not Washington's game. Um, and, of course, Washington perennial uh, playoff flops. Uh, yeah, I I don't think you can be all that upset if you pull the Capitals in the first round. Um, then the next, uh, so that leaves the uh, interdivisional matchups. That uh, would be Tampa Bay at Toronto. Um, I know everyone's writing Toronto off, but Tampa Bay has not played well as of late. They've got some injuries too. Um, Stamkos out day to day with a lower body injury or upper body injury, I think it was. Can't remember, but regardless, out. They haven't played as well. They're only four and six in their last ten. Um, the only thing about them is they can score goals like wildfire, so they can play bad uh, defensively and still. Uh, um, win games by scoring seven goals. Um, they're only two points behind Boston, so that's not uh, that's not that matchup's not settled yet. It'll be it'll be one of the two, but uh, so far it's looking like Tampa Bay. And in the other, in the Metropolitan, we've got uh, Penguins against uh, Columbus. Um, yeah, I would have to think. I would have to lean towards uh, Pittsburgh. But Columbus has been playing like crazy, uh, eight one and one in their last ten. Um, <laughs> so who knows? You know, but it's the playoffs, and I'd have to lean towards that Crosby Malkin experience over Columbus, um, who, who I don't mind as a team, but uh, I can't see them uh, taking out Pittsburgh. Um, over in the West. Uh, some also some interesting matchups. Um, a lot of uh, playoff uncertainty in the West. Um, you got Nashville, who made it to the Cup final last year. Uh, as things go, we'll play Colorado, 
Um, I don't know that that's a good matchup for Nashville either. Colorado, young team, nothing to lose. Got to be careful when you get those kind of matchups in the playoffs. But the uh, Predators are should be much more of a veteran team, although they've only really had one year of playoff success with the bunch they have there now. So that to me is a that's an an, an interesting series. Um, then we got the Knights of Vegas, the Golden Knights of Vegas. Uh, against the Kings. Also, an interesting matchup where you take a team that has zero... I know they've had a great uh, first year regular season, but they get zero playoff experience. Um, they got a little bit on the team. Uh, Flurry, James Neal's seen some postseason. A couple other guys, but most of their guys haven't. Um, and zero as a team. So against the Kings, who are a gritty bunch, a uh, couple of Stanley Cups, uh, good goaltender. In fact, one of the better ones in the league who doesn't get a lot of sweet love because he, uh, the team doesn't. has been you know only average this year. But uh, that one to me is up in the air. The only thing saving Vegas there might be home ice. But uh, I wouldn't bet against the Los Angeles Kings in the playoffs. Then we would have uh, in the second uh, interdivisional matchups. We would have the Jets and the Wild. Um, for me, this is one of the few series that I'd say is a blowout. I'd say Winnipeg totally overwhelms uh, Minnesota. I don't mind Minnesota as a team, but uh, the Jets uh, Saturday against Toronto looked awfully good. If they are are firing on all cylinders. The, the uh, Wild are in big trouble. And they're going to be out in five or six games at most. Um, and then in the Pacific, then we have the matchup, uh, I think I mentioned it last uh, week, of the old boys, uh, the Sharks against the Ducks. That will be a battle of epic proportions. They don't like each other. they got wily veterans who are... You know, the kind of guys you hate if they don't play on your team, uh, a la Corey Perry, uh, Ryan Kessler come to, me, come to mind. Um, the Sharks, uh, well, they got rid of Marlowe. Thornton, I think, is still injured, so don't know if he'll be playing. But they're still kind of a a team that's been together for quite a while. Um Got a lot of old boys. Uh, Brent Burns, Logan Couture, Pavelski. Same same bunch of guys leading the ship there. So, uh, except maybe for the addition of Evander Kane, who hasn't looked too bad since he's been over there. Fourteen points, sixteen games. Can't argue with that. Um, that's going to be a good series. Really good goaltending. Uh, Marty Jones, uh, fine goalie, and uh, I think the Ducks, unless he's hurt, uh, i got to look because I can't remember if he's hurt, uh, Josh Gibson, but uh, like I said I'm not sure if he's uh, playing or not, let's have a quick, quick peek, see if he's... Uh, 
Because if they if Josh Gibson's not playing, the Ducks are in trouble. Um, well, I don't see anything here to suggest otherwise. Anyway, um, that's going to be a good matchup. Uh, the Ducks have got uh, Richard Raquel's breakout season. Of course, they got Getzlaff, Perry. They aforementioned Ben in the ass, Ryan Kessler, who has not had a good year this year, but and by all reports is. Uh, being held together with duct tape, but still, uh, playoffs, you just can't write these guys out. They will show up when you least expect it, and uh, they tend to dig deeper when the time comes, and they tend to get it done. So that's a look at the, the uh, standings. And uh, moving on, um, there's a couple things this week that caught my attention fairly quiet in the uh, injury uh, department. Uh, saw a few things, but nothing horrible outside of the Stamkos injury, and that turns out to be hopefully that they dodged a bullet there and that they're only day-to-day. Um, let's look at the upcoming games. Uh, tonight. We've got Buffalo and Toronto. Let's hope that's not a repeat of um, last time these two met when Toronto sucked so hard. Uh, the Jets will get to um, sharpen their skills against Ottawa, who talk about an abysmal season. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit down the road here. Uh, the Hurricanes uh, play the Panthers in a, well, a must-win for Florida. Uh, Carolina was uh, eliminated yesterday or Saturday, I believe, so nothing left for them. Uh, Capitals and Blues, a uh, huge game for the Blues, and they got to get that win. Even then, they are a uh, big favorite in that game for some reason. On the betting line, uh, minus 160, surprisingly. Um, the Oilers at the Wild. The Oilers. What I I could spend the whole hour talking about the Oilers and probably will in a minute or two. Uh, and then in the big big game of the night, the Avalanche and the Kings. For some reason, the Kings are minus two hundred favorites in this game. I don't know why. They're a point apart in standings. Games in L.A., but still. Um, but that should be a hell of a game. Like I said I, I don't know if that one's on. For you American, or my American fans, I don't know. Um, probably pick that up on ESPN or maybe Fox Sports if you get your local Fox Sports channel. Up here in the great white north, we have to hope somebody took pity on us and put that on the sports net, uh, which is the equivalent of um, your ESPN. Um, but probably not, because the game's important, so it probably won't be on. Oh, my God, and as I say that, it is on. So that's beautiful. So there you go, boys, for the Canadian listeners. Um, oh, it's a late one if you're in the East. Uh, it doesn't start till 10.30. Good God. Uh, 8.30 here in the Great White North. Um, that's still fairly late. That's an 11.30 hockey game. But it is at least on, so you can even watch the first period or something. Um, and those are the uh, Monday games. So let's get uh, back to the squawking a bit about the Canadian teams. Yes, we are the Great White North after all. 
today. Uh, I guess this is relatively big news, but not really any surprise to anyone. Uh, the Sedins, Daniel and Henrik Sedin, announced their retirement. This will be their last season. Um, I got two slants on this, and I think they're both equally valid. Uh, the first one is, is this is a godsend for the uh, Canucks. Um, they don't have to try to figure out how they were going to play those two in some kind of capacity um, and still let their young guys see some ice um, because they have admittedly dropped off quite a bit this year. And after 18 seasons, you know, that's a they they took a, uh, some pretty good beatings um, physically, and they are no knock on the Swedish players, but they do tend to be a little softer, and mentally a little softer. Um, but but overall, good good players. I don't know. They they were talking today about how they would be instant uh, Hall of Famers, and I don't know. I don't really. I'm not even sure they're Hall of Famers at all, to be honest, but but maybe, maybe down the road. Um, maybe the fact that they're twins, they get in that way somehow. Um, yeah. Uh, the flip side is is that I they could have told the Canucks uh, before the trade deadline, and maybe they could have flipped them to a playoff contender and they could have got a shot at a, some playoffs, which would have been nice for them. And uh, the Canucks could have got a couple of draft picks, even if they were only, you know, seconders or thirders or whatever. They could have maybe got something to uh, to uh, put into the pile, but this way they're going to get Zippo. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I guess, uh, you know, they, they were good soldiers for the Canucks. They... Um, they never managed to push them into that next tier of teams, except maybe for a year or two. And even then, I don't know if that was wholly the Sedins or not. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, good luck to them. I'm sure they will uh, find jobs inside of hockey somewhere or head back. I don't know if they'll head back to Sweden or not. Not sure uh, what their future brings, but said uh, all the best to them. So, with that out of the way, let's have a look at the Canucks. Post-mortem, with only a few games left. Um, Nobody really figured the Canucks would be all that good this year. And to no one's surprise, they weren't. Um, Couldn't score. Couldn't stop them. Um, 26th in the league in goals for and against. Uh, penalty kill, uh, 22nd, but that's... Uh, can't be that surprised at that when you got a young team. Um, you know, that's a, that's an art form, the penalty kill. And surprisingly, 10th on the power play. So that's a bright... That's a bright spot. I mean, right now, with uh, three games left, they've got uh, 69 points. So... The most they could possibly see would be, what's that, 75. 
And so you, I mean, that has got to be a disappointment, even when you're expecting to be not that good. Um, the catcher for the uh, for the uh, Canucks is that the, they've got some young players coming up. <clears throat> Darren Archibald, Swan Barchi, Brock Besser, Reed Boucher, Thatcher Demko in the net. Um, even Sam Sam Gagne is only 28. Guys think of him as being 35, but he's not. Uh, Brendan Gauntz, uh, Goldobin, uh, Marcus Granlin, Bo Horvat, Ben Hutton, Brendan Leipzig. All these guys are in their early 20s. Uh, Tyler Maud, uh, Pouliot, uh, Troy Stetcher, even Brendan Sutter, who we think of as being an old guy, is only 29. Uh, Tanev's 28. Jake Vertanen's 21. This team, if they're smart, they need a goalie. Even if uh, Thatcher Demko is the man of the future, they still need a goalie. He's not quite ready to carry the load yet. You don't want to kill him. Um, I predict the Canucks will be at least 15 or 20 points better next year, which means they should fight for a wild-card spot. Um, and then it'll be the year after that that you'll have to watch out for the Canucks. But if you're a Canuck fan, um, lots of bright lights in the down the road um, should be unless the franchise screws things up. Should get a good draft pick this year. Um, that is if they have their they have their first rounder, so they should get a good pick, uh, which you know never hurts. And uh, they got nothing but uh, nothing but good times ahead if they play their cards right. Um, moving to Calgary, where the Flames um, should have made the playoffs and went on a spiral of typical. Uh, it seems like I've heard this story before. Um, they've got the greatest defense in the league right here, year after year. And yet, they're uh, 27th in goals against. Uh, they didn't do too bad in getting them, 18th, but it's not great either. Power play, 27th. That's god-awful. Penalty kill, 12th. That's pretty good. Um Uh, same old story in Calgary. Uh, no goalie. You know, people talk about Mike Smith and that he was the guy, but uh, I got to be honest, I'm not really that impressed with uh, Mr. Smith. Seems like he would have a good game and then five bad ones. Um, he's an older guy. I don't know if he's just lost it a little bit. Uh, I mean, his, uh, he, was, he only had 25 wins this year. And that's your number one goal. He's got to do better than that, um, especially when you're uh, coughing up the money, which um, $4.2 I mean, that's not ridiculous for a goalie, but it's fairly ridiculous for a 36-year-old goalie. And, uh, you know, they find themselves in the same position again next year. They've got him under contract for one more year, 
but he's going to be 37 years old, and uh, he's a UFA in 2019. So they need to find a goalie yet again. I am going to assume by their total lack of being able to find one that they've got one in the uh, in their system somewhere. Um, I don't know what the answer is there. If they got a trade for one, or try to find somebody like I said in the system, but the guys they did bring up uh, did were not impressive. Which doesn't mean that they don't know if another year of uh, AHLing or some games in the um, the big league they won't get better. But nothing there to suggest that. Uh, their goaltending is going to get any better anytime soon. So that's a problem. Um, up front, uh, I mean, there's Johnny Goudreau who gets his points, but I don't know. The type of player he is, he, he has some nights where he just can't get it done because he's a little guy. Uh, I like Sean Monaghan a lot. I think he was a good, good uh, investment. And then after that, I don't really know who the Kings have. You know, Troy Brower, Michael Froelich, Michael Backlund. He didn't have a bad year this year, I guess. But, um, you know, they've got you know, Matt Stajan. I mean, I'm going to guess he, he's a UFA, so he may be done. Um, Sam Bennett has never really blossomed into anything. Um, Matthew Kachuk's been a hell of a player. I take back that they don't have totally anything, but all you had to do was see the game the other night against the Oilers, um, where Milan Lucic punches Mike Smith in the head two or three times, and the response from Calgary was zip. Uh, Mike Smith responded, but uh, nobody else did on the ice, and their captain was even out on the ice, and he didn't respond. It took Tanner Glass, who should not be fighting Milan Lucic, purely based on his size, um, to go out there and, and have to take a beating for his goalie because nobody else on that team would. Uh, so I don't know if they got heart problems, um, what it is, but I don't see them. I've heard the last two or three years, all oh, the Flames are going to be better this year, going to be better this year. I don't see anything about this team that makes me think they're going to be any better next year unless they make some changes and some positive ones. And with uh, uh, the management they have there, uh, Mr. Burke in particular, I don't know if that's even a possibility. And that takes me to my favorite team, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I just don't know what to say. I know the Oilers... um, uh, how do I put it? Due to the press they get, uh, it pains me to say it because I can't stand the Oilers, but they do get a a lot of shit uh, in the fan department. Not of their own. Um, you know, they're not looking for it. The media, uh, in particular, the Edmonton media, um, they just even though they're horrible and they lose games. They can't do anything wrong. They still talk about how great they are and how they're just, you know, moments away from 
greatness or they win a game and suddenly it's oh the Oilers um, you know this there's the potential that you know if we could have just found this two games ago we'd be you know in the playoffs and it's, no dudes you're not even close like don't kid yourselves you're what seventeen points out of a out of a playoff spot you're you're nowhere near it and that's what the best supposed get into that in a minute too supposed best player in the in the league I mean the Edmonton Oilers have got seventy four points which is nineteen points behind Colorado and the wild card spot nineteen points that's a lot and it certainly doesn't speak of any greatness in your franchise or potential greatness um, again, when you look at that team and you look at their lineup, um, again, I guess because of the moves that have been made by the management there, they're afraid uh, to probably say what actually is the truth. Um, when I look at that team, I say, they first off, they need a goalie. And every oh no, Cam Talbot, he'll bounce back. Um, I don't think Cam Talbot's got anything to bounce back with. He's a decent goalie, but that's it. I've seen him pulled at least twice in the last four or five games because he lets in garbage. Um, so that would be A, they need a goalie. And I don't know how they're going to get one because they're also, I believe, locked into him for this uh, Um I think they've got him locked up for three or four years, so they really can't even afford to go and get one. Uh, oh no, he's a, okay. No, he's a he's a free agent uh, after next season. So they're going to have to get a okay. Well, so regardless, now they need a goalie anyway, unless they're going to throw a big pile of money at him, which I wouldn't think would be wise even if he has a better year next year. Um, yeah, they've they've got a lot of they've got a lot of work to do. Um, their management which has not really impressed anyone uh, with their moves, uh, i.e. the Taylor Hall trade or the Eberly trade for that matter. Um, they've got on their next year they have Fifteen uh, players signed to the roster for a cool $62 million, which leaves $12 million in cap space for um, seven players, or more for that matter, because you actually carry more than 22. You usually carry 25 players, So, at least, but at least seven more players. That's not even $2 million apiece. And when you look at who these players are, um, they've got uh, Johan Alvidu, so uh, who's a UFA. So I mean, he's probably going to have to get a million dollars anyway, up from his seven hundred thousand. Uh, Darnell Nurse is an RFA. He should get paid. Um, well, he's the best defenseman they have. So based on that, he should get more than. Sakara is getting, which is 5.5. So you got a decision to make there. 
what what do you do with him? They've already they're already tied into Andre Sakara, Oscar Clefbaum, Adam Larson, and Chris Russell till 2021 at a cool 20 million dollars between the four of them. Um, we also have Matt Benning as, as an RFA, so he's going to need a raise, and he's got to be worth at least two or three million dollars. So there's a good eight. There's nine, and I've only went to three players. Ty Raddy's a UFA, and he's looked good enough that they may want to keep him, which means it's going to cost them. Uh, Packerinen, I, I don't know where they are with him, um, but he's an RFA. Uh, Drake Kajula is an RFA. Anton Slepeshev is an RFA. Uh, Mark Camilleri is a UFA. They probably let him walk. And Ryan Strom is an RFA. So, their recent way of dealing with these things was to uh, get rid of somebody with a big salary and pay the remainder to the other guys. Uh, So far, that hasn't really worked very well, so I don't know why they'd do it again. They may attempt to, which means who are they going to trade? Lucic? Not with that. Not with that contract till 2023. Nobody's going to touch that. Uh, Hopkins, uh, I guess there'd be takers for Hopkins, but I don't know how that makes your team any better. You get rid of Hopkins to sign Strom and, and Kajula or Tyratty. It really makes sense. Um, like I said, there's no way they're going to get rid of their defensive contracts. I, I don't know that anybody wants these guys at those prices for those terms. I mean, good Lord, the Edmonton Eskimos have got Oscar Clefbaum signed till 2023. What in the hell are they thinking? I mean, he's not a horrible hockey player, but good God. I mean, wow. That's all I can say is wow. So anyway, if you're an Oilers fan, I mean, thank God. I mean, at least you can say, I mean, you've got uh, McDavid and they've got him locked up for as long as they can lock him up for. But the sad thing is, is he's having good years and it's not helping. What does this kid have to do? Score 50 more goals a year to get the Oilers into the playoffs? I mean, they gotta, they have to find somebody that will do something independent of him. Right now, their answer is, well, we'll just put him. We put him with uh, Hopkins. Okay, so then they play okay, but Drysaddle doesn't really do that much. So then, okay, well, they put him with Dreisaitl. Okay, well, those two click, but then nobody else does anything. They've got to find someone to generate some offense that does not involve him. And I don't know the way that team has been structured and the way they play. I'm not sure that there's room for anybody to do that. So I don't know if I'm an Oiler fan. Thank God I'm not. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting summer. And, uh, I mean, we what happens. They, I think they had career year. A lot of guys had career year la- years last year for them when they did well. And this year they didn't, and they were horrible. So I suppose there's some room there for hope. But uh, <clears throat> they have got a lot of work to do to get to that point. Uh, so teams that missed the playoffs, uh, that skips Winnipeg, skips Toronto, 
dances us over to the mighty Ottawa Senators. Uh, I don't know what went wrong in Ottawa this year. Playoff team last year did real well. Basically the same lineup. I don't know if it was a bit of uh, Edmonton Oilerism that hit them. But they uh, they were bad this year. 65 points with uh, four games to go. Um, can't score. 25th in goals for. 30th in goals against. Power play pathetic, 26%. Or 26th in the league. God, they wish it was 26%. And the penalty kill, 28th. No, nothing good there. Um, when you look at their roster, uh, it's it's very again a very underwhelming um, roster when I look at it. Uh, you know, of course they got Carlson, but I don't know if Carlson is ever going to be what Carlson was. He's still good. Don't get me wrong. You know, sixty points in seventy games is nothing to scoff at. But he's minus 27. He can't skate the way he used to. Um, He doesn't control the play the way he used to. But with a part, I guess half of his ankle was removed from surgery, so I guess it's not really that surprising. Um, After that, I mean, they got Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman. And after that, not really very much. Uh, Matt Duchesne, but he's a UFA. Uh, God knows he he may not even stay in in uh, Ottawa. Oh no, wait, he's got one more year left. Sorry, he got one year left on the contract, so <clears throat> they got him for one more year. Um, the only thing they got Mark Stones and RFA, and after that, I mean their lineup is pretty much set. They got uh, Cody Cece's an RFA, and Chris Weidman is a UFA. <clears throat> But uh, you know, nothing important there. And they too have—I don't know what it is with these signing these old goalies. And Craig Anderson was a serviceable goalie, but he signed till 2020 at 4.7 million dollars. He's 36. I'm like, why would you want to pay a 38-year-old goalie five million dollars? Like, I just—I don't understand. Um, so they're going to be they're going to need a goalie. Well, they they need a goalie, but they can't afford one. They've already got I mean between Anderson and Condon, they've got seven million dollars wrapped up, neither of which is a starting goalie at this point. Um, their defense is well, as you could statistically as you could see is wobbly, so they need help there. But there's I don't, I, I don't know how they're going to get any. They're, again, they're in the Edmonton position. Um, I don't know what they've got available for draft picks. Okay, well, they have a Berg's first rounder, so that pick's not going to be very good. They traded their own away for the, uh, was that for Duchesne? Yeah, okay. That's a conditional first round pick. If the Senators' first round pick ends up being a top 10 pick, which it will, Senators can keep it and send Colorado their 2019 first-round pick. 
So even there, you got some thinking to do. Um, you've got a top ten pick this year, but the draft isn't that deep. Uh, do you take the chance that you're going to be better next year on your first round pick to uh, next year will be easier to give away than this year's? Or <laughs> are you worried that you're going to be horrible again next year and that pick's going to be a top fiver in, the, in a much, much better and deeper draft? Uh, yeah, something to think about there. Uh, like I said, the Ottawa, um, they're a mess from uh, their owner doesn't well he's a tightwad um he's a rich man but he's not like he's not disgustingly rich like a lot of the nhl owners are so he spends money but he doesn't want to spend huge amounts of money and that's a problem in today's nhl uh i don't like their coach uh, never did and uh i don't know who their general manager is but i believe he's the leftovers from the uh brian murray regime who I also never thought of much of as a general manager, even though he's uh, passed away and we won't speak ill of him. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't like where Ottawa's going either, uh, unless they're going to rebuild that baby from within. I'm, I, I don't see very good times for uh, Ottawa next year either. Uh, and that leads us to the last one, and one another one that is just so utterly baffling. The Montreal Canadiens. And it's the same old story. 30th in goals for. 25th in goals against. Pretty decent power play, 12th. But a penalty kill, that's 30th. Um, I don't know where to start with the Montreal Canadiens. I guess at the top. Their owner, Jeff Molson, of Molson Breweries. Yes, that Molson. They got lots of money, and yet they seem to be stuck on Bergevin as their general manager, even though his record is abysmal. He hasn't won a trade of any speaking in, well, ever. I mean, this is a franchise that's traded away P.K. Subban, for Shea Weber, who's, I mean, uh, wasn't a horrible trade, but this turned out not to be a good one for Montreal. PK gets better. Shea Weber got older and then got hurt. Um, the Jonathan Druin trade of not only trading for him and giving up uh, some younger players, then um, turning around and signing the guy to a six-year contract for five and a half million dollars when he's never done anything. But, of course, he's also French. So they have to throw that consideration in there, even though they shouldn't or shouldn't have to. Um, You know, he's he's got, I mean, he's got 43 points, but that's your franchise player? Not good enough. So, I mean, room for him to improve. Maybe he can Maybe he can be better next year. Um, Galchenyuk, I've never really, never really impressed. Never turned that corner from decent to great. Um, you know, flashes of brilliance, and then nothing. Um, for me, part of their big problem, Mr. Max Pacioretty, underwhelming captain, 
Um, yeah, they call him a goal scorer, but I don't know. I, I, he's just not what comes to mind. I mean, I guess he's had 30-plus till this year for four years, but just not a greedy go-get-em kind of player. Uh, I, I don't know hard for my two cents. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, it's too bad they couldn't make him about three or four inches taller, 20 pounds heavier. Uh, biggest balls on the team. Uh, the only forward they had this year that's worth keeping, in my opinion. Um, their future, I guess, is going to be in the young guys again. And whether they take the time to put them out there and let them do something. Montreal is famous for call you up, send you down, call you up, send you down. Um, and then, of course, there's the Carey Price dilemma, who has had a absolutely abysmal year again and injured and is looking at a $4 million salary increase starting next year. Um, I don't know if he comes by that tag of greatest goalie in the world. Honestly, he might have been the greatest goalie in the moment, but he's got a lot of work to do to prove to me that he's even worth the $6 million he's getting now, let alone the 10.5 he's going to get next year. Um, if I were the Montreal Canadiens, uh, I would fire the general manager. I would fire the coach. I would trade Max Pacioretty. Um, and I would uh, bring up some young guys. And if we're going to be bad, let's be bad with some youngsters and see where it goes. But that will never happen in Montreal. They will continue to uh, linger at the bottom of the pile. Uh, Quick uh, look at... uh, That's pretty dismal appraisal of uh, Canadian hockey. eh? Um, Let's look at a quick look at uh, my trophy picks. I just was throwing some stuff around. I still say the Hart Trophy for MVP will be Nathan McKinnon. I don't care about... Connor McDavid and his points, um, and whether he's the best player in the league, being the best player in the league, and being the most valuable player in the league are not the same thing for, to your team. Um, and I back that up with my Wayne Gretzky statistics that uh, Gretzky played 20 years. Um, I'm going to guess that at least 16 of those years he was by far the best hockey player in the league, and he only won the MVP nine times. So. At least five or six times, even Wayne Gretzky didn't get the MVP award. So, two on that. Um, the Vesna goes to Pekka Rennie. Uh, Matt Barzell wins the Rookie of the Year. Uh, Connor McDavid will hold on, uh, or should hold on, to uh, win the scoring title. And I'll give the uh, best defenseman to uh, Victor Hedman from Tampa Bay. So, thank you. Think what you want about those. Um, and to wrap it up, we got nine minutes left. <sighs> Story out of uh, Long Island where Mr. Josh Hosang, uh, young prospect from the Islanders, is learning the hard way, or is going to learn the hard way, 
that opening your mouth and making comments about how you're being used is uh, not the professional way to go. Um, the, the Islanders took a chance on him. He had a really bad reputation coming out of junior. And then he was a problem in year one. Um, this year, they uh, he started the season on the on the big club, and was sent down, uh, and was later called back up, but then was sent back down in December, and has been there ever since. Uh, the argument is is that the Islanders have had a few injuries and they've called up other players, but not him. And he finally um, couldn't keep his mouth shut. Uh, and I quote, I love those guys. I want to make it clear. I know they're working hard. This is into regards of the other guys who got called up. Um, but I got sent down for my defense. And what are they in goals against in the NHL? I only played 22 games up there this year. I don't think it's my fault. They painted it like it was my fault. And I don't like that. I do have things I need to work on down here, but my game is far from perfect. It could improve. But I do think a lot of the stuff was unwarranted, especially in the terms of the rope that other people were given. I understand I have a history, and that might be a factor. I don't know, but it's frustrating to me. (sighs) Josh Hosang, I have some advice for you. Keep your mouth shut. You have a coach and a general manager and a captain and a player rep and several other people that you could take this shit to. But you don't take it to the media. Now you've put the you put the, the, the franchise in a position. Uh, you've basically called them out. You've called your coach out. Um, what do you think is going to happen next? Guess who ain't getting called up? Uh, Guess who might not be part of the team next year? Guess who might get traded? Um, You can't point the finger at other guys and say, well, uh, yeah, sure, I, I, I did things wrong, but look what those other guys did wrong. You gotta worry about you out there. He either needs to grow up which so far it appears he he hasn't been able to pull off. Or at least, you know, do your venting somewhere else. Uh, It's just not wise. It's not a good move. And that kind of shit, that tag follows you around. And that's a tag you you certainly you don't want. Uh, Whiner crybaby is not good for business. Um... I'm not sure. I'm just looking up his contract to see how much longer he is. Uh, I mean, he's got next. I mean, he's under contract with them next year. He'll be 23, and he's an RFA at that point. Um, he's really pushing them to make a decision that he shouldn't be pushing them to make. He should just keep working. It's one more year. I know you're young, uh, impatient, time doesn't go by very fast. But trust me, you're much better served uh, 
to put that year in of hard work and looking at a nice big fat multi-million dollar contract instead of, oh, God damn, I'm stuck in the AHL and nobody wants me. Not really that much of a decision. So, on that upper note, that's going to bring our episode five to a close. Um, the uh, white, white Men Can't Jump uh, flagship show will be on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Um, Tim and Tom will be on Thursday at probably 8 or 9 o'clock uh, Mountain Time. Uh, that's where Tim and uh, myself and uh, Tom Robinson uh, get together and goof off on pretty much anything. And, of course, the much-anticipated uh, uh, Sunday night uh, roundtable. Of course, it's every Sunday night, live at about 11, 11.30, which is uh, Eastern Time, which is way too late for most people, but it's when we're free. Um, so check those out. And uh, I said, for those who uh, who care or are into the wrestling, uh, the Wednesday night um, guest on Wide Men Can't Jump is actually a wrestler who has a basketball tie-in, but is a pro wrestler. So you might, I'm not 100% guaranteed he's going to be on, but probably. So you might want to check that out. Um, you know, good quality and good content, always some humor. Maybe you're not the biggest basketball fan in the world, but uh, still some ha-has. And if you're a 605 fan and that's what brought you over to the Wide Man Network, uh, Tom's always there, always being Tom, so you can always count on that. Um, so I guess that's it for another edition, Episode 5. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and anybody who downloads or listens, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, all comments and questions can be directed at the uh, Wide Men Can't Jump uh, Facebook page or on the Twitter, if you're a Twitter machine kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, that's it for another edition. White men can't score, baby. Uh, Have a good one. This is Tim from the Great White North. Uh, Have a good day, everyone.